know what'll get us up on a platform? What? The routine! Welcome to Writing in Real Life, a podcast about writing, parenthood, publishing, and marriage. I'm Morgan Baden. With me is my husband, who I was just yelling at, <laughs> and my pod, our podcast co-host, Barry Liga. You weren't really yelling. <laughs> it was more a stern admonishment. <laughs> anyway, it was funny. So this morning, I was uh, the baby woke up at six thirty, six forty ish. And Those 10 uh, minutes matter. They do matter. The parents out there understand. <laughs> Those 10 minutes are really important. I myself fell asleep at around 9.30 last night, unexpectedly, which was absolutely phenomenal, and I recommend it to anyone. So anyway, so I'm sitting with the baby, reading a book in her chair, in her nursery, and this is what we do every morning, and I started thinking about routines and how um, the fact that we have a morning routine has really helped me, and I'm sure it's helped her as well, but... Considering work days, I have to get out of the house pretty quickly and I don't have a lot of time with her. It helps me to get into a group with her and to figure out what, um, you know, what order we're doing things in and, and it's great. So then I started thinking, oh, you know, writing routines are really good too. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And so then this whole thing came together and I said, you know what? I want to talk about routines tonight, both parenting and writing. So it's interesting. So again... The baby and I have a, a morning routine, and on Friday last week, that morning routine could not happen because it was I shattered. It was shattered. broken. I needed to be at work at six in the morning. <sighs> it was awful. What are you, a farmer? Yeah, <laughs> nice. Thank you, dear listeners. It was terrible. So, and I, I was getting really nervous Thursday night in advance because I knew that things were going to be different for the baby in the morning. Uh, I was going to be out of the house before she even woke up. And she wasn't going to see me, and we weren't going to do all of this. And, of course, you, Barry, you know the morning routine. We walked through it. Um, I took careful notes. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And, obviously, you know the baby, and you spend all day with the baby. But but I was nervous about how she was going to react to this. I I had no idea how she would react. I, I steeled myself for the possibility, not necessarily the likelihood, but the possibility that she would just be an inconsolable basket case. All yeah. Day. That she would wake up and mommy wouldn't be there and it would just, it would just, the whole day would be shot from there. Yeah. So I just prepared myself the night before. Yeah. Hey, this might happen. Yeah. And you know, what everyone has always told us is that babies can sense the energy that you're bringing into the room, right? They can smell fear. <laughs> Basically. And I think she, I think she sensed my anxieties on Thursday night mm. because oh yeah, not to not to take all the blame here, um, but she was a basket case Thursday night yeah, and woke up at I don't remember what time she woke up after like, going to bed. She woke up. At, she went to bed at seven thirty. She woke up at eleven and refused to go down until, until after one thirty. One thirty in yeah. the morning. Yeah, so that was pretty rough. And of course, I had to be up at five thirty. And she woke up at five. So the poor girl had like three and a half hours of sleep then. Right. And the the blessing in disguise is that I did get to spend 20 minutes with her right. that morning before she fell back asleep. So at least I kind of saw her. But, I, you know, I wonder if she was just sensing my anxieties about it. And the thing is, it ended up being totally fine. Right. Yeah. I yeah. went to work. You went in to see her and... Uh... Yeah, I went in in the morning. And, you know, the the lovely thing about a baby is... When they wake up and they first see you looking down on them in the crib, they give you this amazing smile. 
it is just beautiful. It, it really is. It's wonderful. It is such an amazing thing. And I realize that's such a cliche about, oh, when your child smiles at you. But, you know, there's something about your kid lying in, in the crib and they wake up and they look up and the first thing they see is you and they're just happy to see you. Mm-hmm. And I went in that morning and this is the first time in a very, very long time that it has not just been you going in there. There were, usually it's you going in there. Mm-hmm. There've been a couple of times where it was both of us. Yeah. I can't remember any time in the morning where it was just me. Yeah, me neither. And I went in and I looked over the edge of the crib and I said, <laughs> who's awake? And she looked at me and she gave me this big smile. And then it's like she realized it was me, not you. <laughs> and and her face, her little mouth went into almost a perfect O. It was Aww. almost it was almost like the the Home Alone thing where you know when he slaps the <laughs> stuff on his face and he goes, oh. oh, what do you know about Home Alone? Yeah, I've never, never seen, seen it, it, but I've seen that scene because everybody's seen that scene. Christmas classic. And and she got that look on her face, like, what the <laughs> hell is it? What is this? This is not what I was promised. I was promised a mommy. And she got that look on her face, and I just kept talking to her and then she kind of relaxed into a smile again and I picked her up and I went through the morning routine you've established with her and uh, it took her a good 15 minutes before she came to go okay this is all right this is gonna be okay yeah uh you know she kept giving me a lot of very confused looks a lot of a lot of sort of wait a minute wait wait did did, did I sleep through the day is this my (laughs) nap what's going on here why is he here what's going on but you know, she got used to it and then, and then she was fine. Yeah. And I think, you know, when she woke up from her first nap, she again looked at me a little strangely. Like, <laughs> I think she had this, this thought of, she's got to be there eventually when I wake <laughs> up. Like, um, and she looked at me strangely then too, but then she was fine. She yeah. was fine. And then when she saw you, you came home early because you went into work so early yeah. and she was just thrilled to see you. Yeah. And then the poor girl got some six-month vaccinations, so she was yeah, not so good. Yeah, But no. But anyway, you know, part of the thing with routines when it comes to parenting a young baby is that I think they're really great to have, but you also have to allow for some flexibility. Because sure. they're babies. Well, and also, I think you have to give them time. Yeah. I know that, you know, when we were having a lot of trouble with her sleep back in the early days... Mm-hmm. We both read things about the importance of establishing a bedtime routine. Yeah. And I was on board with that, but at the same time, I was like, okay, but what else can we do? Because a routine is going to take a long time to take hold of her mm-hmm. and help her sleep. And that'll be great once that happens. But in the short term, yeah. what the hell are we going to do to get this kid to sleep? And as a result, I was very much not focused on developing a bedtime routine because okay. I thought, okay, that's a great long-term solution. I want to focus on short-term mm-hmm. solutions right now because I need to get some sleep. And you insisted on developing a bedtime routine. Did I? Yes, you did. You smartly... probably don't remember because no, you were... I don't remember much from those early You were days. so tired all the time. <laughs> but you insisted that we do it. And I'm glad that you did because nowadays yeah. it's amazing when it's time to put her down... She is so happy. She laughs and giggles while we do our little bedtime routine and and put her down. When we say routine, by the way, we mean sort of a a series of steps. It's not necessarily a song and dance show. It's not like Ross and Monica. I'm I'm singing and dancing. I put on my tap shoes. It's not like (laughs) Ross and Monica doing their routine on that New Year's Eve episode of Friends. (laughs) It's not like that. But, you know. Do you know what's funny, though, is I always think the night that I guess I finally insisted and we started the the bedtime routine. Um, we always end with singing a song as we zip up her sleep sack and she's in her crib. And I do remember 
I was like, oh, we need a song. And we looked at each other, and we hadn't planned on what song to sing, right. so we just chose one. And sure. now we're, like, locked into that We're locked song. into it now. It's funny. Like, we have to do that now. And, and you know, there are things about the bedtime routine where I'm like, oh, you know, we probably should do this instead of uh-huh. that. But it's like, nah. she loves it. Yeah. She is so happy with it. She is so happy to go to sleep at night. Yeah. She just, she goes into her crib smiling and laughing. And it's great. It's terrific. Uh, you know, it, it's wonderful. So new parents out there, man, I mean, do it, just do it. Like at first it's not going to help at all. Like you're going to go through weeks where you're like, why are we bothering? But it pays off. Well, I also, I don't know. I, I even found use out of it in the early days too, because it was bringing structure to me, which I needed yeah. as a new mom. So anyway, I recommend it. So pro parenting routines, pro yes. baby bed routines, We're pro those routines. Yeah. Yes. How about writing routines? How about writing routines? I particularly don't have any, um, but I have had conversations with other writer friends, and some of them have very elaborate writing rituals, essentially. Uh, I don't know. And I I was thinking about how, I guess my only routine that I used to have when I wrote was that my desk needed to be somewhat presentable. Like the top of my desk, yeah, very side. No, I, I just right I now. looked over at her desk. It's very presentable. I mean, <laughs> I no, that's you know what? I, that's not bad. Yeah. I wish my desk looked like that. I'll take a picture. I'm gonna put it in the I, show notes. <laughs> that's fine. My desk is my desk is a nightmare. Yours is pretty bad. Mine is always a nightmare. Yeah. I've sort of given up on it ever not being a nightmare. Yeah, but I just I remember back pre baby. If I sure. was going to sit down to write, I would need to just sort of straighten, straighten up, a little, up bit. a little bit. Yeah. Now. When I do sit down and write once or twice a week, I, I just don't have that kind of time. Yeah. So that kind of routine has gone to the wayside. Sure. Which sure. is interesting, like pre-parenthood routines versus right. versus now. Um, what about you? Well, I mean, I'm a creature of routine. You don't say. Yes. And it's interesting because I first started developing a lot of routines when when I went freelance, when I quit my job and started writing full time. I realized, okay, I'm the only one now telling me what to do and when to get it done. Mm. There's no boss over my shoulder. There's no paycheck that I'm waiting for. Nobody's telling me any of this. Nobody's keeping an eye on me. And I've got to discipline myself. I've got to be really good at this because otherwise I'm never going to get anything done. Yeah. And so I developed these these structures and these routines every day. And I stuck with them for a long, long time. And they were amazingly effective. I mean, unbelievably effective. I got so much done, not, not just, not just writing wise, but just, you know, I, I made a routine out of everything. And just in my life in general, I accomplished so much. And, you know, my brother, who is a pretty smart guy, he said to me once we were talking about it, he said, routines are great until you get thrown off of them because then you have nothing to fall back on and you just, it's a disaster. And he was right because there came a time where I got thrown off my routines. Why? Well, you know, uh, part of it was I moved. Okay. Uh, I moved from Pennsylvania to Las Vegas and that really disrupted things. Yeah. And, you know, there was a period of just weeks where, you know, I was unpacking and I was doing this and I was learning a new town and blah, 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 whatever, whatever it was. And it just threw me off and I just sort of spiraled out of control. Now, you know, I wasn't like slumped over, you know, the sofa with a bottle of gin or something, you know, (laughs) yeah, smoking meth and whatever. But, you know, I just, you know, I I just completely lost the structure in in my day. Mm -hmm. And as a result, 
again, there was nobody telling me what to do on a day-to-day basis. So I did nothing. Oh, wow. You know, because yeah. I could. So, yeah. you know, I played video games and I watched TV and then I played more video games and then I watched more TV and then it was the end of the day. And I was like, that was fun. Yeah. And I said, I'll be better about it tomorrow, but I'd wake up the next day. And again, there was no structure there because once I'd broken those routines, they were, it was really difficult to put them back together. I mean, I guess it's like sort of falling off the wagon with a diet or something. Sure. Like you know, once it, you allow some sugar back I was going to compare it to dieting, yeah. you know, and, and somebody, I once read a book about, um, about financial management, about how to manage your finances. And the guy said that, that most people, the mistake most people make is they, they set a budget for themselves. Okay. You know, I'll spend X amount of money on groceries every week and I'll spend X amount of money on movies and blah, 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 whatever. So the problem with budgeting is the same as the problem with dieting, which is there is no positive reinforcement on, yeah. a, on a regular basis. Yeah. Now, obviously, at the end of the year, if you stick to your budget, you're going to have a lot of money left over. You can go on your vacation. If you stick to your diet, you're going to look great, whatever, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But in the short term, there's no reward. It's all pain. And that's what makes those things so difficult to stick to yeah. because there's no short-term reward. So yeah, I think comparing sort of those structures and routines to dieting and falling off the wagon with dieting is is very apt because it's very much like that. I mean, a lot of times, you know, the reward of the routine, once you get into the habit of the routine, the reward is the routine itself. You start to feel good. I stuck to my routine today. Right. And that becomes the pleasure of the reward. But once you break it, it's like, why should I go to the gym today? Uh Uh-huh. You know, yeah. so, so what? I'll skip a day and then you skip the next day yep. and then the next day. And it's the same thing. And, and that was, you know, what I fell into. So, you know, I was able to reestablish routines, but this is something I've always struggled with is the struggle between how structured is too structured yeah. of a day. Uh-huh. I mean, a lot. Well, of- and you've talked before about how having a baby has thrown you off that structure. Of course. Of course. And the way that you've had to adjust to that. Well, and you know, in a, in a way, though, it's been it's been almost fun in a way because one thing that children need and babies need is they do need structure. Mm-hmm. They need sort of discipline. I mean, not in a heavy-handed way, obviously, but, you know, you don't feed the baby every five minutes. You feed the baby on some sort of a schedule. And I'm Well, like, not when they're brand new. Well, not when they're brand yeah, new. Yeah, no, no, no. Okay. I'm, I'm talking, talking, I'm talking, right, I'm talking okay. about now. I'm talking about now. Okay. Uh, you know, and Hey, if you're talking to the guy who's got a set of schedules, that's me. I'm the man, you know, it's like, and I, you know, during the week when, when it's just me and Leia, man, it's like Mussolini's trains. Like I keep her to a schedule, you know, and she knows, she does know, she knows she does not cry. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that she gets hungry about half an hour before I feed her, but she doesn't cry. She knows, she knows, nope, you know, daddy will feed me. And, and I do. And she gets very excited and she's very happy when the food comes and she loves it and she smiles and grins and then she eats. And so that's a good thing, but you have to be really flexible. And that's something that I've been struggling with. You know, I think a lot of people who listen to this podcast have probably read my blog and and know that, for example, I eat the same thing for breakfast every day. And have for years. And lunch. And lunch. I was going to say that. (laughs) And I eat the same thing for lunch every day and have for years. And Sunday is the day you do your bills. And Sunday is the day I sit down and and pay bills and and all of that stuff. And those are routines that I have Mm -hmm. that make my life a lot easier, Mm -hmm. you know, but you, you have to find some flexibility. You know, it used to be, I had a routine of getting up and I would do some writing and then I would go to the gym and I would come back and do some more writing and then, you know, go do whatever. And I can't do that anymore. And I, I don't know, you know, when that will be part of my routine again. So now I have to find other ways to do these things 
and and still get something done. You know, it really is a cliche, but I think it's true for us. I I think our partnership has been one of where each of us balances out the other oh, yeah. in terms of the schedule thing in oh, particular, sure. because I, I'm not scheduling my life. Um, right. and, uh, and I was sort of very free freewheeling and I always got things done. Like I'm a productive person anyway, but, uh, and I can manage my time really well at work, but yeah, at home I would wake up on a Saturday if I had no plans and be like, Oh, I'm going to write today and wouldn't get to it until like 6 PM. Right. And then I'd write for a half an hour and be like, well, that was good. Right. I'm done. <laughs> right. So, um, yeah. So I think I, I've learned a lot from you about, about how to fit some scheduling into it. Well, my I life. remember early on you were, there was one thing, you were just sort of amazed that every day I sat down and wrote. Was like, I? Okay. Yeah. Saturdays and Sundays and holidays. Oh, and yeah, yeah. Every single day I yeah. sat down and wrote mm-hmm. and you were just like, oh, that, oh, well, there, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. You know, but I'm really curious to hear from other writers, both published and like career writers and just aspiring writers who have, who may have day jobs. Like, do you have schedules when it comes to writing? Um, and even when you are sitting down to write, um, is there a routine that you go through in order to feel like you have to be, you can, you are now able to be productive, you know? So I'd love to hear from people. Yeah, me too. I'm always curious as to how people do this. This is such a weird, solitary profession Mm -hmm. and a lot of times, unless you happen to be hanging out with some writers over a couple drinks, you never learn how other writers do this and, yeah. and what rituals they may have or yeah. routines or or how they force themselves to do it. Because, again, very rarely is anybody forcing you to do this. And people sometimes will say, oh, you know, a deadline, blah, blah, blah. A lot of times you're not writing to a deadline. A lot of mm-hmm. times, you know, you haven't sold a book yet, so you're writing yourself so that you can sell something, mm-hmm. which sure that's a motivating factor, but it's not that, that again is a very long-term goal. Yeah. I'm going to write this book and sometime later on this year, I'll probably sell it. That's, that's not a thing that is going to make you get up tomorrow morning and write. Yeah. That's a thing that's going to make you think, oh, I need to write, but it's not going to make you write tomorrow morning. The only thing that's going to make you write tomorrow morning is the fact that that's what you do. Yeah. You get up and mm-hmm. you write. That's your day. That's yeah. That's your day. Yeah. That's what you do. So speaking of days, we had a nice weekend here. We did. Uh, yesterday, we took the baby to New Jersey, to my old college, yes, the College yes. of New Jersey. We got her passport stamped. We did. <laughs> Crossed a couple of rivers um, because my twin sister won an award, which was very exciting. And we had a great lunch uh, at the college and, and everyone thought the baby was gorgeous. And she, which she is, I mean, so. you know. If it's uh, if it's strangers saying it, it must be true. It must be true. It's right. not us saying it. These mm-hmm. are these are strangers saying it. Yeah. And today um, we went on a little walk, and then we had a visitor, which was really nice. Yes. And she brought gifts for the baby, which was again very nice. Yeah. And I started thinking. <laughs> <laughs> one thing that no one told me about parenthood is that people will bring your baby gifts constantly, all the time. Like. Multiple times, like the same person will bring you multiple gifts right. every time they see Just you. Just every time they visit, they bring something. And I'm not talking about family, which obviously family does that to the nth degree. Right. You know, which is so cute and lovely, especially because I feel like you and I, we don't shop for her. No, actually, today we shopped for her for the first time. I think and it we was had to go on. We, we had to get her some things. Just it was like practicality purposes. Yeah, it, was practicality yeah. it wasn't fun shopping. And it was like it was like, oh, we're spending money on the baby. Right. What the hell? Like yeah. it, it's really interesting. Everyone else buys 
stuff. Yeah. And someone did tell me when I was pregnant that um, most people buy your baby clothes. And so don't worry about that because everyone wants to buy the baby, you know, cute things and cute dresses sure. and things like that. Um, so she was saying that she didn't have to buy her daughter any clothes until she was about nine months old because then she finally started outgrowing all the things people had purchased. Right, right. Um, so I was prepared for that. But just the fact that truly, like every time we see someone. Everybody. People bring gifts, Everybody, and it's so sweet. It, they're always bearing gifts. Yeah, but it made me think, like, did, I don't think I did that with, <laughs> with, the, <laughs> with the babies that I know. <laughs> so I just want to issue a, a Mia culpa here. Like, I should have brought you guys gifts, apparently, every time I saw your baby. Now you've got me wondering. <laughs> I don't know. Like, did I ever... I don't know. Yeah, I mean, tough. I know fewer people who had babies than you do. Yeah. You, you have, you have very uh, fertile friends, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, now I'm starting to wonder, like, did I usually bring gifts? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Which I know I have, I but did I do right, it? Right. But did I do it frequently? Well, but also I'm a very, over the past couple of years, I, I've become a very, um, anti thing person. Like we just have too much stuff. Okay. Anti stuff. Yes. Anti stuff. Like I don't want things. You yeah. know, we have a lot of things. Well, we have a lot of things and we have a small apartment. Yeah. So yeah. clutter is an issue. Yeah. Clutter is an issue. I also, you know, obviously she's a baby, so it's fine right now. But when she's two or four or six, like, I don't want her to have hundreds of toys. Sure. Um, because I just think, I just think that's too much. When I was a kid, my dad went down in the basement and took an entire wall of the basement and closed it in with closet doors and built shelves in there. Uh-huh. And that was where my brother and I kept our toys because we had that many toys. Oh, my goodness. And I can tell you that when I was a kid, I remember complaining to my mom that I was bored and I didn't have anything to play with. And my mom got so annoyed with me. Like, this just pushed a button in her. And uh-huh. I remember her saying, for God's sake, Barry, you have more toys than any child in history. <laughs> Go play. And at the time, I was so annoyed at her. And, you know, recently, I'm looking back and remembering, and I'm like, oh, my God, she was right. <laughs> like, I really, like, I had no right complaining, man. I had every toy well, you could possibly want. Well, but every kid want. complains that they're bored. I had a lot of toys, well, man. I, no, I, I'm sure you did, but I'm saying, like, every yeah. kid, no matter what yeah. level of toy oh, sure. they have, they're bored. complains oh, that they're course, bored. Of course, of yeah. course. And A, I, I think it's good for kids to be bored. But yeah, B, no, so do yeah, I. So yeah. do I. Um, and I think that's what she was saying, basically, oh, course, was, yeah. it's good that you're bored. Go figure out how not to be bored. Exactly, yeah. 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 So, anyway, it's funny, so... Um, thanks for all the gifts. Yeah, really. thanks for all the gifts, everybody. Uh, you know, keep them coming. <laughs> we did have a couple of questions last week and the week before that we didn't get to, so I wanted to throw sure. one in right now. Yeah. It's from the ever-present Paul. 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 I think you know him, Barry. Never heard of him. I will say that I've had a couple of listeners at work <laughs> tell me that their their goal is to become the next Paul, where they get mentioned <laughs> in, in the like podcast. every freaking uh-huh. episode. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so Paul asked about daycare and writing schedules. Oh. So specifically, he says, "Can you talk about how daycare might figure into your writing schedules? Are there any negatives to daycare?" So we had an experience last weekend when my mom was here, and she took the baby for a few minutes so you and I could go over to the gym. Yeah, uh, where you're already a member, and I'm going to be joining. Because once babies are six months old, they can be occupied in the daycare at the gym. Yes, which means I can go to the gym. Yeah, and drop her off. And it's really funny because I've been very, I'm very pro daycare generally. Yes, you've been very vocal about that. Well, just because I'm, if I were a stay at home mom, I would absolutely be putting her in daycare a couple of hours a week. Sure. So that I could get stuff done. Yeah. 
Um, so, you know, I'm just very conscious of, of you and your, your time and whatnot. And my emotional fragility. It, basically. I'm glad yeah. you said it. One of us had to. Yeah, I know. So, so anyway, so it's funny because we went into the gym and it was after hours. The daycare had closed earlier that day. Yeah. And so there was no one in there. And we sort of looked into this darkened room. <laughs> and I thought to myself, am I crazy? <laughs> I'm dropping my kid off here? What? Right. By the way, it was a perfectly lovely space. I mean, I've seen it when it was active and in use, and it's a oh, fine Oh, it's great. Place, yeah. No, it's totally fine. But I was just, it just suddenly hit me like, oh my God, someone else is going to be holding my baby? Right. Is this, this is a thing we do? Like, yeah. this is okay? So it it's suddenly just became real. It did. Like, I saw the space and I was like, oh, oh, okay. Yeah. So, daycare and writing. Uh, I feel like we can't really answer this question yet. It's tough to answer. I mean, we know that our friends who have young children have nannies or daycare or both in some cases Mm -hmm. and sing the praises of those things. Mm -hmm. You know, I do not have any sort of, uh, you know, moral or ethical objection to daycare or nannies or anything like that. It for me is a sort of weirdly strong feeling that I have that comes from, you know, my solid middle-class roots (laughs) where I just keep thinking, my mom didn't have a nanny. My right. mom didn't use daycare. That's what my mom says that, to and, me. Uh-huh. and I just keep going, she's my kid. I should take care of her. That's the whole point of, you know, she's, she's, uh-huh. she's my daughter. I'm her daddy. I take care of her. Like, you know, pretty simple. It, it, it's not complicated algebra. It's very simple arithmetic. And, you know, and at the same time, I see people around us who have daycare and nannies, and that's working out great. And, again, I don't judge them or anything. I just It's just a me thing. It's just, no, that's not for me. And everybody keeps saying to me, but Barry, you know, your mother wasn't working right. when, when you were that age. And I just keep thinking to myself, yeah, but I set my own hours. Like, it's a very different situation. I'm being productive. Just to say, at this point, you are being At this point, I am being produ- productive. I'm, I'm, you know, halfway through a new book, yeah. a short book, granted, but I'm halfway through it. And I feel like, you know, there's no overriding compelling need to do daycare or a nanny. And, you know, I even mentioned this to my mom at one point. I said, you know, well, mom, you didn't have daycare or a nanny. And mom said what everybody else has said, which is, but honey, <laughs> I wasn't working. Yeah. So even my mom thinks I'm an idiot, which is fine. You know, and again, I, I, I'm not sure I understand entirely the roots of my obstinacy, mm-hmm. but it's just one of those things where I really, I, I've been resistant to it. And I'm, yeah. you know, and I realized that I'm probably going to end up capitulating and, and doing this. Do you think so? Yeah, I think probably. I okay. think I think it's inevitable. I think there will come a point where it just becomes, it's just difficult to sustain. Yeah. But, you know, I, I think I said to you originally, you know, when we first talked about, okay, what are we going to do about the baby when you go back to work? And I said, look, I'm going to do this as long as I can. Yeah. I'm going to do this on my own for as long as I can. Yeah. Keep an open mind and we'll just see how long I can do this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Here we are. I'm, I'm not yeah. there yet. I'm not at the point yet where I feel like this isn't sustainable, yeah. you know, but obviously I'm willing to drop her off for an hour at the gym right? because I think that's good. I think it's good for me <laughs> to well, be able to go to the gym, yeah. obviously. And I think it's kind of good for her to sort of get used to the idea of other people, other yeah. children, 
Um, I mean, she's good with other know, people right now, but she doesn't ever we're, see... we're always around. We're always around. And also, she has very limited exposure to other babies. Right. And I think that would be really good for her. Yeah, I think it would be good Especially for her. Especially as she's super aware now and, right. you know, as she just grows. She's interested in people now. She yeah. looks at people, you know, the cable guy was here a few days ago to fix something, and she was just staring at him the whole time he was here. Wait, something was wrong with the cable? That's so unlike <laughs> yeah, Time go, Warner. Go figure, right? <laughs> so, I, you know, I don't... You know, to answer Paul's question, you know, I think daycare fits in however you need it to fit in, whatever whatever you need. We talked about guilt last week a little bit. Yeah. And obviously there's a lot of guilt wrapped up in daycare, whether you're using it or not. Sure. And um, so, you know, you ask, are there any negatives to daycare? And of course, I would say one of them is probably that many parents feel guilty about using daycare. Yeah. Um, And others don't, and rightfully so. And, you know, I... This is something you and I have talked about this. This is something I struggle with. Like I, I've never wanted to be a stay at home mom. Right. Um, and I, I struggle sometimes justifying that to myself because I have such a wonderful stay at home mom. Yeah. So, um, so like, why wouldn't I want to be that too? You know, so right. it's, it's just something that I struggle with. So, um, so anyway, yeah, I'm sure there's guilt involved. And if we did have daycare, like if you worked an office job right. and the baby was in daycare five days a week. I'm sure I would feel guilty about that. Well, yes, but I mean, if she was in in daycare all day, right. all week, yeah, yeah, that would that would be. I, a would, whole, I would feel guilty. That's a whole different story than you know a few hours, a right? Day. Of course, yeah, or something like that. You know, and it's interesting. I mean, I'm sure that's sort of why I feel so strongly about being home with her is because I had a stay at home parent, yeah, and I liked that, right. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and so why wouldn't I do that for her? So I'm doing that for. her. Because I can. I mean, you know, again, this well, is this is an option. We have a really, yeah. really, we are really fortunate that we can do this. That that we have the luxury of being able to do this. Not everybody has mm-hmm. this luxury, um, and we're aware of that. And again, we're extraordinarily fortunate. And I'm, I'm glad. Yeah, I'm glad. Of course. I'm, yeah. You know. So thanks, Paul. Thanks, Paul. <laughs> All right, let's move on to recommended reading or right. what we are reading now. Recommended reading and what we are reading now. What are you up to, Bear? Uh, Last week you talked about no time to read. Yeah, yada, I'm still yada. I'm still reading that book that you think I should stop reading, and I've I've sort of realized why I'm still reading it. It, it has some similarities to some stuff I've done, and so I think a part of me is just curious to see how this guy is ha- is going to handle it. You know, I mean, yeah. a lot of times you're, you're just wondering, like, oh, how did how did another author deal with this? You know, when I met Dan Wells, who wrote uh, I Am Not a Serial Killer. Um, he and I talked because his book is about a kid who's worried that he's going to grow up to be a serial killer. I wrote a book about a kid who's worried that he's going to grow up to be a serial killer. Dan's book came out first by, I think, a year. and uh, But they're very different books. I mean, they are so different. And one of the things Dan said to me was, you know, when I read your book, it was like reading an, in, from an alternate universe where I wow. made the different decision from oh, everyone wow. I actually made. And I was like, oh, it still would have worked out really well. If I had made different decisions, yeah. like it was good to know. Huh. And how often do you get the opportunity to see how your book would have turned out if you'd done it differently? And uh, I thought that was really interesting. So I'm reading this. I'm, I'm not still 100% enjoying it, but I'm reading this book because I'm just curious to see how this guy is going to handle some of the same issues that I dealt with in yeah. some of my work. So we'll see. But uh, that's what I'm reading. But as far as recommended reading goes, um, I'm going to recommend a book that isn't out yet. But I recommend everybody who can hear my voice <laughs> go and pre-order it 
from the usual suspects. We should talk about pre-ordering. We at should some talk point. about pre-ordering at some point. Do people do that? I don't know. I actually do occasionally. I, don't know. I do it. Yeah. I do it. I do. Oh. I, I do it with music a lot, but I do it with yeah. books too. Okay. Yeah. But anyway, tell us if you pre-order. Yeah, tell us if you pre-order, and tell us why. Yeah, it's actually pre-ordering is a huge thing in the comic book industry. Really, and we can if we have a discussion about pre-ordering. If enough people seem interested, I can talk about that a little bit. Okay, because it's a whole it's a whole interesting thing in the comic book industry. But anyway, um, you know, I, I want to encourage people to go pre-order Adrift by Paul Griffin, which is a really great book. It comes out July twenty eighth. It is a terrific book. Pre-order it now, and then you don't have to remember when it comes out. It will just show up. That when is it's the ready. nice thing about that is the nice thing about pre-order is that you totally forget about it. You forget, and then yeah. you just wake up one morning and you have an email that says like your book is here, or you know the UPS man drops right. a book off, or or your local bookstore calls you and says, hey, that book it's you in. ordered came yeah. in, and you exciting. go yay, and you yeah. go pick it up, and it's it's like a little bit of Christmas in July mm-hmm. for you, and you're Santa Claus, which is the best part. <laughs> So, yeah, read this book. It's a really terrific book. It's about kids who end up lost at sea. It is really amazing. It's powerful and painful. I blurbed it. We can. We talked about blurbs a while back, and we talked about how sometimes it's a little weird when friends blurb books. Mm-hmm. And full disclosure, I'm Paul's friend. Uh, but it's a great book. I don't blurb things unless... I really enjoy them. That just got listed in Publishers Weekly as best summer reads of 2015. Best summer reads of 2015. Super people. exciting. Wouldn't don't you want to read the best summer reads of 2015 <laughs> in the summer of 2015? I think you do. This is one of them. Go ahead, pre-order it, read it. It's a really terrific book. You'll you'll hate me because it's going to gut you, but it's really damn good. So good. go read it. So speaking of summer reading. Ah. Um, I read a couple of books every summer and have for the past sort of 10 to 15 years. And so as the sun has been shining recently and the weather's warming up, um, I'm not in the middle of anything new right now. I've I've just finished a couple of things. And, uh, so I wanted to make my recommended reading something old. So I'm pulling a page from the Barry Lago playbook right now. It's a good playbook. (laughs) So... It, this is kind of silly because it's a classic, but it's my favorite, favorite book of all time. And that is The Age of Innocence by Edith Wharton. And for me, that's a, a summer reading pick. Uh, and when it starts to get sunny and warm, I always pick it up and read it. And it surprises me every year, even though, of course, I know it very well. Um, but Edith is my favorite. My favorite, my favorite. I'm holding my hand over my heart right now because I really <laughs> genuinely feel that, that love and warmth for her. She, she seems a little verklempt. <laughs> anyway, but if you haven't read anything by Edith, I would say make it The Age of Innocence, although The House of Mirth is a very close second. So that is my recommended reading. I'm looking forward, though, to starting something new this week. Uh, so I'll talk Oh, does she have a new book week. out? No. <laughs> yeah, Edith, from yeah. Beyond the Grave. From Beyond the Grave. She wrote it on a Ouija board. Hey, oh, there's an cool. idea for a book. Anyway, an author who died before he could finish his book uh-huh. and finishes it. Is haunting someone. So Ghostwriter. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. You're welcome, that world. That hasn't been done. Yeah. We have to look that up. We'll have to look that up. Yeah. Anyway, that's it for us. Thank you so much for listening. You can visit us online at writinginreallife.com. You'll find our show notes, contact form, leave a comment. Uh, is the After the Red Rain contest still going on? Yes. Um, yes, it goes on until midnight on April 30th. So if you are listening to this before midnight, April 30th, 2015, you can go to writinginreallife.com, go to episode 12, 
leave a comment. Tell us why you would like an advanced copy of After the Red Rain signed by all three authors, Barry Liga, Rob DeFranco, and Carlisle Cullen himself, Peter Facinelli, and you could possibly win. Cool. There's some stiff competition there, folks, so get, yeah, get there's, going. Yeah, there's definitely some stiff competition. Uh-huh. Get, get, get your writing chops in order. Anyway, don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes in the meanwhile, and we'll be back next week. See you, everybody.